Uh, Acts chapter 5, I will read verses 17 through 26. Acts 5, 17 through 26. So there are no longer pew Bibles, okay, because we don't want to transmit a virus that way. Uh, you know, if you're all good Baptists, you'd be bringing your Bibles with you to church. There we go. Thank you, brother. <laughs> brother John has his Bible. He's a good Baptist. Um, so you can bring your Bibles with you. All right. Some of you have it on your handheld devices as well. Uh, be careful about that because your handheld device will also suck you into Facebook and you may never return. But now hear the word of the Lord. The high priest rose up and all who were with him, that is the party of the Sadducees, and filled with jealousy, they arrested the apostles and put them in the public prison. But during the night, an angel of the Lord opened the prison doors and brought them out and said, Go stand in the temple and speak to the people all the words of this life. And when they heard this, they entered the temple at daybreak and began to teach. Now, when the high priest came and those who were with him, they called together the council, all the senate of the people of Israel, and sent to the prison to have them brought. But when the officers came, they did not find them in the prison, so they returned and reported, We have found the prison securely locked and the guards standing at the door, but when we opened them, we found no one inside. Now when the captain of the temple and the chief priests heard these words, they were greatly perplexed about them, wondering what this would come to. And someone came and told them, Look, the men whom you put into prison are standing in the temple and teaching the people. Then the captain with the officers went and brought them, but not by force, for they were afraid of being stoned by the people. This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray. Father God, we ask that you be present with us uh, in the reading and the proclamation of your word. We ask that you would send us your Holy Spirit so that this word would be alive for us today. And we ask this in the name of Jesus, who is the word of God. Amen. So the temple officials said to the apostles, don't preach Jesus in this temple. And then they locked them up into uh, prison to make sure that they didn't do that. And so God sends his angel and says that it's time for a prison break. And the angel of the Lord came to the locked up apostles and said, Get out of this jail, go back to the temple, and start preaching again. So why all of the urgency? Why is it that God couldn't have... You know, waited a season before the preaching continued in the temple. And what is it that the apostles were supposed to be preaching anyway? In verse 20, we read the phrase, all the words of this life. All the words of this life. What does that mean? It's an odd phrase. It's an odd way to describe the preaching and the teaching of the apostles. All the words of this life. That's what I want to talk about this morning, all the words of this life. It's an important phrase because it describes the essential work of the church. This is the work for which God is willing to overturn constituted authorities. This is the work for which God is willing to have a jailbreak. 
And if the church doesn't do this work, then the church isn't the church. All the words of this life. I want to focus our attention on two parts of that phrase. First, all the words. And second, of this life. That should be enough for one sermon. All the words of this life. So here we go. The angel commands the apostles to go to the temple again and to speak all the words of this life. Now we Protestants, we are wordy people. One of the big changes that happened during the Reformation was that the sermon rather than the Eucharist becomes uh, the centerpiece of worship. In the Roman Catholic Mass, there is always some preaching. There will be a homily, maybe five minutes. But the focal point of the Mass is the Eucharist. The body and the blood are presented and the church dispenses the grace of God to the people of God through this sacrament. Some of you who are bad Catholics, might have had times in your life when you snuck into church just in time to receive the host and then snuck out again to go golfing because you got what was important, the sacrament. In the Protestant church, the proclamation of the gospel becomes the centerpiece. Homilies of just five minutes are replaced with sermons lasting a half hour or more. The Protestant reformers were very concerned that the lay people properly understand what it is that Scripture teaches. As Paul says, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. How can I have saving faith in Jesus Christ if I don't know anything about Jesus Christ? And where can I learn anything about Jesus Christ except in the Bible? And what is the Bible? But a bunch of words on paper. Words are important. Now let me also say, however, that faith isn't only words. It is also action. Words alone are not enough to make us Christians. We have to practice what we preach as we read in James 2.17. Faith by itself, if it is not accompanied by action, is dead. But if those actions are to be faithful actions, those actions will be rooted in the Word of God. For the church, the Word is primary and original, and all action, no matter how important, are secondary and derivative. Faith begins in words and produces fruit in actions. Notice that God busts the apostles out of jail not to go and heal some people, not to go raise some people from the dead, not to perform signs and wonders, not to do some good works. God busts the apostles out of jail so that they can be in the temple, in the public place of worship, to speak to the people all the words of this life. It is the Word of God that has the power to save us, and it is the Word of God which is the treasure that the church holds in earthen vessels. The Word of God is the only thing that we, the church, have to offer the world that it doesn't already have. Think about that for just one second. Lots of secular organizations offer fellowship and a sense of community. That's not exclusive to the church. Lots of secular organizations do charity and good works to improve the community. 
That's not exclusive to the church. What is exclusive to the church is the Word of God. And that's what we have that no one else has. And if the church allows fellowship or community or charity to overshadow or to obscure or to backburner the Word of God, then the church ceases to be the church. We become like the YMCA, which at one time was a massive force for evangelism, but is now just a health club. Now, a couple of practical applications to this principle. First, we as the church must guard our time and energy to do this work of speaking the word. It is the primary work of the church. My job description as a solo pastor entails three main areas. Number one, preaching and teaching. Number two, pastoral visitation and counseling. And number three, administration and leadership. This uh, past week I spent time up on our roof checking downspouts and roofing seams with a contractor. I spent time reviewing architectural drawings and reading budgets and financial plans, reviewing emails with our bank. I had three separate meetings with three individual elders to discuss the current situation in the congregation and to lay plans for the future. I met with staff, both in my office and in their homes. I reviewed material for the Go Center. Those are all administrative and leadership tasks, and I enjoy that kind of work. It's important. I also spent time this week being in touch with a family whose child has uh, wandered away from home. I've been busy with a husband and wife who are on the uh, brink of a divorce. I met with a family planning a funeral. I wrote notes of encouragement or congratulations to a dozen people. I visited an estranged member of this congregation who's just beginning to dip her toe back into church life. I attended and led a small group Bible study. I got together with a group of fellows from the church last night. Those are all part of my pastoral work. I love every minute that I get to spend with our flock, and that connection fuels my preaching. It's important. But that brings me to preaching and teaching. My sermon this week had to be written on my day off, and my Sunday school lesson was slammed together this morning. By the way, we're doing I'm doing adult Sunday school. Eh, sort of, kind of. So if you want to meet with me, we're going to meet out on the north lawn uh, on some picnic tables out in the fresh air, in the shade. So come out uh, and sit with me there. My Sunday school lesson was slammed together this morning, and all of that means that my preaching and teaching this week is, frankly, half-baked. The busyness of running a church, the pressures of caring for the flock, sometimes intrude upon my primary task, which is speaking to the people all the words of this life. But now this isn't about me and my work-life balance. This is about all of us and where we place the Word of God on our to-do list. This past Month has been particularly rugged throughout this country and here at HVPC as people have become heated and anxious and agitated about the COVID virus and about the fresh outbreak of racial strife in our country. I've spent a tremendous amount of time and emotional energy this month contending with these issues as they touch this congregation. At some level, those are important issues. But are they the essential work of the church? 
Our primary mission is to proclaim all the words of life and we need to be really careful about things that the world tells us are really important which get in the way of proclaiming all the words of this life. People in the world are always running around with their hair on fire about one issue or another. The issue changes week to week, but the agitated urgency remains the same. It's as if people in the world don't know they're alive unless they're freaking out about something. Because if you're outside of Christ and this world is all you have, then you're not really alive anyway. If you're outside of Christ, if you you are a spiritual zombie, you don't even know you're dead. And I guess in that state, being charged up about the issue de jour makes you feel alive. I'm not saying that the issues of the day are unimportant. I'm not saying practical things are unimportant. They are in their own way. But I have seen the temporal things of this world crowding out the spiritual things in our lives. I've seen this tendency on the session. Godly men and women gathering in a room together to take care of the business of the church. And so often the temporal and temporary issues have a way of crowding out the spiritual and eternal issues on our agendas. It's just something about human nature. It's about the constant warfare between the spirit and the flesh. We need a roof in our school. A roof that doesn't leak, I should say. We have a roof, but it just leaks. I understand that. It's an important issue. We need to raise the money to replace the boiler system that died this past winter. I understand that. That's important too. Somebody needs to write a check for $100,000 to help out. But we always need to be careful to keep the Word of God at the top of our to-do list. To not let the concerns of the world distract us from the things of God. So how are we doing with that? I know my batting average isn't great. Are you spending time every day in the Word? Are you setting aside time to meditate on God's Word and to commune with God in prayer? Or are you spending more time with the Drudge Report and Trevor Noah than you're spending with the Bible and Jesus? I have a very low-tech to-do list. It's just a three-by-five card that I keep in my shirt pocket. And I make a new one each morning during the work week. And I always write number one, Bible and prayer, which is where it should be. I'm not saying that I always do a good job of making the Word of God and prayer first in my day. But those days when I do, it is 100% better than those days When I don't. When the word of God is first in my day, I find that I'm more focused on what's important. I'm less anxious about this world, which by the way is not our home, which by the way is passing away. And I have a greater chance of actually saying and doing something that might be helpful to somebody. When I don't put the Word of God first, I get lost in the details of the day. I get distracted by whoever's the angriest or loudest voice in the room. And I come to the end of the day thinking, well, what did I even do today? 
So I encourage you to make Scripture number one on your to-do list every day. And I encourage this church to continue to keep the proclamation of all the words of this life our first priority. And if we do, I believe God will continue to bless us and to continue to bless our work. Okay, so that's all the words. What about this life? This life. All the words of this life. A familiar Hebrew toast that you hear at weddings and bar mitzvahs is lachaim, which means to life. Now, the common European toast, someone could analyze this as a variant of to your health, which is nice, but lachaim puts a sharper point on it because, you know, you could be unhealthy, but at least you're still alive to, to life. In the New Testament, three Greek words are translated for us as life in our English Bibles, and those three words have very different meanings, uh, and their differences are obscured by the fact that the same English word is used for all of them. I want to go through them very briefly here this morning because it's important. The three words are suke, biotika, and zoe. Now, suke is usually translated as soul. It's where we get the word psyche in English. We see this word when Jesus says, whoever would save his life, suke, will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. So, yeah, if you lose your soul, you're dead, you lose your life. But that's not the kind of life that the angel was talking about when he said, go and stand in the temple and speak all of the words of this life. The angel doesn't use the word psyche, so let's move on. The next up is biotica. You can hear the prefix bio, bio, that appears in so many English words, biology, biomass, biophysics. Biotica shows up just three times in the New Testament. And it always refers to things of ordinary, worldly, unsanctified life. For example, when Jesus says, Watch yourselves, lest your heart be weighed down with dissipation and drunkenness and the cares of this life. Beotica. When Paul takes the people in the church to task for suing each other uh, in the secular courts, rather than resolving things in the church, he writes, Do you not know that you will judge angels? How much more the matters of this life, biotica. So those are the three appearances of biotica uh, in the New Testament. And that's not the word that's used by the angel who told the apostles to go preach. So that brings us to zoe. You'll have to listen a little harder to hear the English connection to this word. But we do find it in words like zoo and zoological. As it turns out, in the New Testament, the word zoe is used in every single case for things that are connected with our faith. When the angel says to the apostles, go and stand in the temple and speak to the people all the words of this life, the word is zoe. So what I want to do this morning is just read you a litany of examples of how this Word is used in Scripture, and we're just going to allow those words to wash over us and see if we cannot hear how they all hold together. So hear the Word of God. The life. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Lachaim. To the life. 
Resurrection and the life. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live. Lachaim. To the resurrection and the life. Bread of life. Jesus declared, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry. Lachaim. To the bread of life. Words of eternal life. Peter said, Lord, to whom will we go? You have the words of eternal life. Lachaim. To the words of eternal life. Light of life. Jesus said, I am the light of life. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Lachaim. To the light of life. Paths of life. You have made known to me the paths of life, and you will fill me with joy in your presence. Lachaim. To the paths of life. Author of life. You have killed the author of life, but God raised him from the dead. Lachaim. To the author of life. New life. We were buried with him through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may have new life. Lachaim. To new life. Crown of life. Blessed is the one who perseveres under trial because that person will receive the crown of life. Lachaim. To the crown of life. Gift of life. Husbands, be considerate as you live with your wives and treat them with respect as heirs with you of the gracious gift of life. Lahaim, the gift of life, water of life. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. To the thirsty I give water from the spring of the water of life. Lahaim, to the water of life. Tree of life, to the one who is victorious, I will give the right to eat from the tree of life. Lachaim, to the tree of life. Lamb's book of life. Nothing impure will enter New Jerusalem, but only those whose names are written in the Lamb's book of life. Lachaim, to the Lamb's book of life. Life, 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 life. What more? Could we ask for? What more could we desire? This is the life that Jesus promised when he said that he came to give life and to give it more abundantly. So when we hear in our reading from the Acts of the Apostles that an angel of the Lord busted down the doors of a prison and tells the apostles, go and stand in the temple and speak to the people all the words of this life, we shouldn't be surprised. What could be more important than this life? What could be more important than being in the house of the Lord proclaiming those words of life? And what is it that holds? I hope you picked up on this. What is it that holds all of those scriptures together? What is the tap root of all this life? Is it not Jesus himself? Is not Jesus the origin and the source and the spring of life? The Bible says about Jesus, He is before all things, and in Him all things hold together. When we have Christ, we have life. Yesterday we gathered here in the sanctuary to have a funeral service for Bud and Connie Osuch. So many years of quiet service to this congregation. So many fond memories. 
Bud and Connie enjoyed 65 years of marriage. They had a whole slew of kids. One grandkid, we knew her as Melissa Jarkowski. She's married now, has a new name. She spoke beautifully here in the service. Bud and Connie had a rich and a sweet life together. And this church was part of their life since 1972. That's 48 years ago. Some of you are not that old. There is a kind of sweetness when old saints lay down the burdens of this life. They're satisfied. They're completed. They are at peace. They're ready to move on to eternity because that's where the real party begins. So are you ready for that day? Because that day does come to us all. We never know when, when this life is over and we go to meet God. And if we are in Christ, then that meeting will be filled with joy. That meeting will be the beginning of life as we've never known it before. The beginning of life the way it was supposed to be back in the beginning. But if we're outside of Christ, then our end will be filled with regret and anxiety and horror. Paul writes to the church at Corinth saying, God says, In the time of my favor, I heard you. And in the day of salvation, I helped you. I, Paul, tell you, now is the time of God's favor. Now is the day of salvation. If you haven't yet chosen to follow Christ as your Savior, make that choice today. Let this day be the day of your salvation, the day that life and life and life and more life Become yours. Lahaim to life. Let us pray. Father God, we do honor you and we do adore you and we thank you that life is found in Christ. We thank you for giving us life and giving us the opportunity for new life, for resurrected life. Lord, I pray that the distractions of this world might not keep us from pursuing the life that you have in mind for us. Draw us ever closer to yourself. This we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.